Hi, this is Joe Polizzi with the Content Marketing Institute, and you're listening to my friend Ash Roy on the Productive Insights Podcast. Welcome to the Productive Insights Podcast, where you can learn how to systemize, automate, and scale your business via the internet. To access previous episodes and useful productivity tips, go to ProductiveInsights.com. Now, here's your host, Ash Roy. Welcome, everyone. Today's guest is a Google partner and the author of the Ultimate Google AdWords fourth edition book, which was used by thousands of business owners and entrepreneurs. He's the founder of websavvy.com.au, which specializes in Google AdWords management. He's an internationally recognized speaker, a marketing specialist, a digital marketing trainer whose career spans over 25 years. He's only 25 years old, by the way. Um, <laughs> he was named. Now I feel old. <laughs> he was named one of PPC Heroes' top 25 global influencers in 2015. He's devoted father and husband. I'm delighted to welcome Mike Rhodes of WebSavvy.com.au. Welcome, Mike. Thank you, Ash. Damn, you've done your homework. That's, uh, that's very impressive. I will make sure to send this video to my mum. She'll finally understand what I do and be quite impressed. I think that's great. Thank you. Uh, you're most welcome and thanks for the kind words. So we spoke to Mike back in episode 15 and we talked a lot about Google AdWords then and I really enjoyed having Mike on the show. The episode was really well received and so I've asked Mike to come back and talk about Google Display Network today. So we're going to be talking about that. But before we actually get into that, there's something I wanted to mention. Mike, you shared something on your Facebook that was really, really impressive. So I'm a just going to... photo gonna... of my daughter. No, 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 no. No? Okay. No, it's... It That's was... the most impressive thing about my Facebook feed. So this is, this is something you said in Facebook feed. Two years ago, I was invited to a closed-dose session with some of Google's top brass to tell them what it's like being an agency and the changes we needed. One of the things I pleaded for was control over tablet bids. I was told it was never going to happen. Stop asking. Today, they listened and gave us control freaks back some control. It's a good day for AdWords. Now, mm. this is something, Mike, I mean, this is something I really respect and admire about you. You are someone who is massive on mindset. So can you tell us a little bit about that? I, I found that really inspiring. It was an epic day. Let me say that, first of all. And... um Yes, they've suggested that it might happen again. And I'm like, just tell me where in the world I need to be. This first one was in Sydney, which was handy. And yeah. they invited four agencies from Australia in to, they had the, basically their, their Asia Pack annual planning week. And they brought in the four of us for one of the afternoons while all the top brass were there. I mean, the guys were like you know, a couple of levels down from Larry and Sergey. It was pretty overwhelmingly wow. impressive. But so bloody humble. There was no pretension. Yeah. It wasn't like we're sitting around some big mahogany table. We're just all sitting around a big room, much like my office. There's yeah. a, just a big circle of chairs. Everyone's just hanging out in jeans, eating bickies from half time. And it was, it was amazing. And we just sat there and told them what it was like to be an agency and what was good and what was bad and what they need to improve. And there was a lot of nodding of heads and, mm, yeah, we've heard that before. And, oh, that's a good one. And um, just telling them stories. And uh, we found it. Really, really useful understanding stuff, particularly the conversations I had that came out of that. With the, you know, one of the guys came up to me afterwards and went, "I'm the product guy." Yeah, like this was the guy that was in charge of AdWords and about seven other things at Google at the time, and he was like the boss of the boss of the boss of, of AdWords. Right. I'm a product guy. Can we talk about product? I'm like, <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> that afternoon was more of a sort of strategic level, yeah. and we ended up having these catch ups 
um, every couple of months where we jump on a webinar and talk about, okay, so we're thinking about rolling this out. I'm like, no, that's a terrible idea because of this, this, and this. We need this, and there's this thing over here, and we did just, this sucks, and this bit's really good. And it was wonderful that, that those conversations with him, I won't name, were absolutely fantastic. So the stuff that came out of that was wonderful. But yeah, a thoroughly enjoyable day for us, and, and apparently they got quite a bit out of it as well. I hope they're very grateful to you because they told you to go away before and I love the <laughs> persistence. You just kept coming back at them and now they are coming back to you and saying, well, you know, you know, give us some more feedback because they've now seen that it is something that needs attention. Yeah, look, and, and they do do this. Um, I think they spoke about this on the summit the other night where they talked about the tablet bit mods. You know, they, they do more so with their big, big, big advertisers, you know, the Amexes and the Pricelines of the world who are spending hundreds of millions of dollars with yeah. them. They do sort of product feedback sessions and with the huge agencies, but it was just really nice for them to bring a little old agency like us into the room and, and have the different levels because a couple of the guys in the room were, you know, big, big yeah. full-service agencies doing a, a lot of above the line and really not much AdWords at all, but, right. but they are doing sort of big digital buys, so... It was nice that they included a lot of us. Yeah. And cool. somebody else had commented on that thread. I am not in any shape or form trying to take any credit for the fact that tablet bid mods came back in. It is a really cool thing if you're an absolute yeah. AdWords geek. There were a, the entire industry jumped up and down when they took that away four years ago. So right. yeah, a lot of us have been asking for that for a long time. So it's, uh, it's by no means my persistence that's had anything to do with it. It was just a really good day to be an AdWords geek. Okay. Well, you're a very humble guy, Mike. Okay, so let's talk about Google Display Network then. All right. So why is Google De Display Network so critical for business growth? Our listeners are typically professionals and entrepreneurs who own their own businesses, the professionals that are self-employed. How is this really important to them, the Google Display Network, and how can they leverage off it? All right. So it's probably really good to understand that you've got two completely different sides to Google. There's Google Search, which we're all familiar with, those little four-line ads, top mm -hmm. and bottom of Google, on phones, tablets, desktop, etc. And then this thing called the Google Display Network, which is very much a, if we're talking marketing geek, it's a top of funnel kind of place. So yeah. you're, it's interruption marketing. Mm -hmm. Difference between, obviously, digital versus anything else that's above the line, TV, radio, print, outdoor, whatever, is it's measurable. So it's, it's kind of measurable branding, but I'm not a branding guy. I'm a direct response guy. Mm -hmm. So I want to know if I'm showing an ad that I want to know what the ROI on that is. I want to know that it's working and I want to know that the, the vending machine that I'm building, as opposed to a slot machine, as Dean Jackson's analogy, which I love, yeah. good marketing should be a vending machine. You put your dollar in, you press the button and you know what's coming back out. Right. Whether that's a dollar twenty, a dollar fifty-seven, or seventeen bucks, mm -hmm. a slot machine. You put your dollar in, you pull the handle, in, you, you hope. Right. Uh, that's not what marketing should be, and I think right. a lot of above the line is that because you can't measure it. So there's a huge branding piece, you know, because you, you. So we're talking banner ads essentially. We're talking a network of two million plus sites mm -hmm. that have essentially what they've done is they've gone to Google and said. We've got all this traffic. We've got this site. All these people are coming here. We want to make a bit of money from mm -hmm. our site. Um, we've got this spot over here and a spot over here. You can show ads there. You figure it out. They don't want the hassle of dealing with 200 different advertisers mm -hmm. and um, dealing with them and you send us your ad and we'll send you a cut of the proceeds. And So Google have this thing called the AdSense program. That's what it's called on the other side of the fence. If you're a publisher, if you're a website owner, you join the AdSense program. Right. You, you essentially say, this little bit over here, Google, you can have this spot. Yep. And then when you land on my website, 
in that millisecond or three, it's trying to work out what, what do we know about Ash? Well, we know right. he likes this and this. We know he's been searching for this sort of stuff recently. We know he's been to these websites recently. We've actually been reading his Gmails and we know he likes this, this, <laughs> and this as well. And we've been watching all the stuff that he searches for and the stuff he does online. So we're going to show this ad. Right. Of the 500 advertisers that want to show you an ad right now because of the stuff you're reading, the website you're on, and because of your past behavior, yep. we're going to show this ad. This advertiser wins that little auction that they just ran in that mm -hmm. first millisecond, and we're going to put this ad on the page. At this point, it's all free branding. Okay. For that company, whoever it was, whoever won that auction, be that the tiny little lawyer in Bendigo or Amazon or Amex or any kind of business you can imagine – one of those advertisers running ads across the GDN, Google Display Network, mm -hmm. just got to show you an ad for free. Okay. And maybe one in 500 people click, and then you pay. So right. you, as the advertiser, then pay a little bit of money to Google, and mm -hmm. Google essentially splits that cash, depending on various things, with the owner of the website. So until the click happens, it's just like free nothing. publicity. Yep. Mm -hmm. So that, that person's getting free branding. Okay. Yep. That's, that's essentially, in a nutshell how the whole thing works. Now, what makes it different to say something like Facebook, Facebook is pretty much all about interest targeting. So based on, and a lot of demographic targeting, and to be quite honest, Facebook better at a lot of that stuff than Google is. Hmm. They've, they've leaped, frogged over Google there because we tell Facebook a lot of stuff about ourselves. Hmm. Whereas Google a lot of the time has to guess. Great point, yep. So Google's looking at the websites I'm looking at and deciding, okay, I'm a 40 to 50-year-old guy in Melbourne based on all of this. And yeah. sometimes it gets that wrong, whereas when you log into Facebook the first time, you tell it your birthday, you yeah. tell it your gender, you all this first-party data. So one of the big differences, though, is that with Facebook, particularly with small audience targeting, like if you're in a small town, you're showing the same ads to the same people over and over again. Mm-hmm. One well, of the huge benefits with the display network is it's, it's a sort of ever-changing field of people that are seeing those ads. That's a right. big, big difference. It's been described to me when I was starting out as Facebook is the, if you imagine people sitting in a cinema, there's an ad on the wall at the front of the cinema next to the screen because they're really here to watch the movie, but there's mm -hmm. an ad on the wall next to it. And it's mm -hmm. the this, this same thousand people seeing that ad. Right. Whereas Google is the billboard at the side of the freeway with a different 50,000 people driving past it every day. Great analogy. Excellent analogy. There's another difference between Facebook and Google, isn't it? When, when I go to Facebook, I go there to hang out generally. I'm not yeah. going there to find a solution to my problem. But when I go to Google, I'm typically going there to look for a solution. So my intent is different. That's certainly true of Google search. Absolutely, yes. Mm -hmm. If you're searching for a particular keyword or phrase, you are looking for as my mate Perry Marshall puts it, a scratch for your itch. Right. Uh, you're looking yeah. to get that thing solved. Now, display is interruption marketing. You are oh, on yes, a blog right, right. or a forum or a news site or whatever it might be. Mm. Probably, now there's many different ways that we can target these ads, but probably reading content about the thing. I was just chatting to a gentleman this morning who's got a turmeric business. Mm -hmm. So I could then go out, and there's many different ways I could, do this, but I could target people reading content about turmeric or about liposolid thing, whatever that big long yep. thing is, or Rhonda Patrick, because I was mm -hmm. listening to her podcast the other day with uh, Tim Ferriss talking about turmeric. Mm. And I can go tell Google, this is the stuff I'm interested in. Mm -hmm. You know where it is. I don't know where it is. There are billions of pages across the Google Display Network. You know where those little blogs and forums and YouTube videos and even app 
views are of people that are reading stuff about turmeric right now, mm. here's my ad, go show my ad to those people. Mm-hmm. So they are, it's much more around the, the content and the context of what people are viewing as they're browsing around the web and putting the right ad next to the right person at the right time, which mm-hmm. the assumption underlying all of that obviously is if they're reading content about turmeric, then they might be interested. Some of them will be interested in a turmeric product. And so you're putting your ad next to that with a call to action there and some reason why they're going to click your ad. You don't pay anything for the 499 people that ignore that, but that one in 500, come on in, only pay when they click. And obviously the, the huge part of that measurability is you get to improve it over time. Mm. That's, a, that's obviously what all the guys sitting here in my office are, are, are doing. Yeah. Running accounts and optimizing and improving, essentially profit optimization, really is what mm. we do. Which comes back to the A/B testing thing that you talked about when we last spoke. You know, you talked mm. about a large part of being a successful advertiser on Google or having success with Google Ads is about understanding, you know, trying A/B tests and understanding what works and what doesn't. Any advertiser, it's the same for Facebook, and really, it should be the same for the offline world. It's just that they can't measure, so they don't get that mm. instant feedback that we do of this ad versus this ad. I mean, we've we've used GDN ads, banner ads, to choose the billboard, the actual billboard by the side of the road that an insurance business in Adelaide should use. Hmm. Because rather than let the graphic designer or the hippo, you know, the hippo, right, the highest paid person's opinion, right? typically the hippo will choose. Graphic designer comes along, I've got these three ideas for these uh, for the billboard. They're really cool. With this one, I've kind of gone on this theme and this one I've gone over here and this. And the hippo will pick one. Yep. With no measurement, no understanding of yep. is this the one that our prospects prefer. But if I can show 10 completely different banner ads across a whole bunch of websites, you know, targeted to that same market, we know it. this is, the, this is their prospect. You know, we know the avatar of the person that buys their, their product. We're showing these ads to that person and I run 10 completely different ads. Two or three of them are going to get a lot more clicks than the rest. Right. And generally, one or two of them is going to be a pretty clear winner. Now, we might need to sort of iterate on that again if we really, really want to, but we've got data there. We've got mm. data that says one in a 1,000 people clicked on this one, one in 200 clicked on this one. Let's use that. Yeah. Let's, take that <laughs> let's take that one and let's turn that into the billboard because that is in some way that's speaking to your market, that this is something that they're finding interesting, that, that, that is appealing to them. Let's go with that. So, you know, you can run a little test like that in couple of weeks spend mm. 500 to a thousand bucks and know with some certainty which of these many different ideas is most appealing to your market now that can change everything not just mm. the billboard that can change the content that you put on your website that could change the facebook ads that you go and run that could change what you write on the back of the business card or the side of the van or what's on the point of sale material next to the till you know you could use that insights in so many different ways so yeah mm. testing I think just testing and marketing these days is testing. Yeah. Testing your offer, testing your creative, testing the look, testing the ad. Everything should be tested. I can't remember who said this, but uh, you know, sending traffic to, I think he was talking about landing pages at the time, but sending traffic to a landing page that isn't being tested is a crime against humanity. <laughs> Avanash, Avanash Kaushink. Google, oh, yes, Google's yes. Digital uh, evangelist. Yes, yes, I've heard and that name Very before. funny man. And, oh, if you ever get a chance to see him speak, by the way, yeah, go see him speak. He's epic. Yeah, I I would love to. He's someone I want to actually have on the podcast someday. Mm. But yeah, he's a very good thought leader, actually. Very passionate man. Speaking of um, 
watching people speak. I actually watched Mark Burris speak at an event yesterday. Oh, yeah. And uh, something that was very interesting that came up was he talked about six principles of success, and one of them was understanding your business's purpose. And I thought that was very interesting. It, it tells, he told this funny story about how he had Kerry Packer investing in Wizard Home Loans, and apparently Kerry was looking at investing, and he said to him, okay, so this is my due diligence, Mark. What is the purpose of your business? And there was all these documents with Wizard Home Loans written all over the place. So Burris didn't know how to respond to that. And then before he could answer, Kerry Packer goes, and don't say effing home loans. <laughs> so the point of the the message he was trying to convey was that home loans is just a tool through which Mark Burris delivers, you know, a dream that people are aspiring to having owning their own home and having a family and all that sort of stuff. Mm. So I thought that was quite an interesting story, mm. but that was that we just got distracted. Something I just wanted to say about this testing thing, especially for the listeners is the importance of recognizing that what we think is going to make a difference to an ad isn't mm. necessarily what the audience thinks. And you actually talked about this in our last interview. You talked about Alex Mendozian, who talked about the difference that the letter S can make. And mm-hmm. you talked about make your kid smarter versus makes your kid smarter. And the first one implies that the person has to take an action to make their kid smarter That's versus right. the second one with the S, makes your kid smarter, implies that the product will do it for you. So... There's really little things about ads that could make a massive difference. Oh, and, huge. Yeah. and the point is you're not going to know until you test. So just to reinforce your point about, you know, not testing is a crime against humanity or Avinash's point. I think that's a great one. You mentioned Jen Sheehan, our, our wonderful mutual friend who does sure, a lot yeah. of Facebook ads and so on just before the call. And she's obviously doing some stuff with people that she can't name who live in a big white house in America. <laughs> yes. I was reading some commentary from the guys that worked on the person that lives in that big white house in America they worked on his last campaign and yeah they would send out 36 emails every time they send a single email and split test headlines split test body everything and the single thing that came out of the people that ran that last presidential digital campaign the one big thing the one big takeaway we couldn't trust our gut right right we, you have to test and you can't let your own assumptions get in the way of, because you're not selling to yourself. You, you know, you might be part of your target market. You might be very similar to them, but you cannot let those assumptions ride. You have to test them. And in a world where we can test them and you can have that instant feedback of what works, what doesn't, our job is profit optimization, which means stop spending money on the stuff that isn't working and funnel it into the stuff that is working, constantly looking for those outliers, less of this, more of that, less of this, more of that. Yeah, a funny story about Jen, actually, I had the honor of sharing the stage with her at the last Superfast Business Live event. And as a favor to me, she's sort of doing this beta test lead ads on my business. And she disappeared for a week. And I couldn't, I don't know what was going on. It's not like her, right? And then she comes back after a week and she goes, I'm really sorry, but I got called into a, what did you call it? (laughs) The the big house with a white roof. That's it. Mm, Yeah. I got called into a big house with a white roof. And so... um, I was like, uh, that's the best excuse I've ever heard. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she's pretty good at what she does. Uh, She's pretty awesome, yeah. Okay, so uh, we've talked a little bit about the key differences between Google and Facebook. You just touched on that. Mm. I know that with Facebook, as you said, they understand their audience's likes and dislikes a lot better perhaps than Google because there's so much personal information we put on Facebook, Mm. whereas Google, it's just 
far more transactional. But I really like that analogy where you talked about, you know, Google being the highway on which there is like the odd billboard versus Facebook. I can't remember the rest of the analogy actually, but that's right. Next to the screen in the cinema, yeah, yeah, next to the screen in the cinema. But could you could you build on that a little bit just to draw that out a bit for our listeners? Well, so I mean, the main thing is that they both have interest targeting. Facebook's very good at that. Google have this thing called in-market audiences. And what in-market is, is there's about 500-odd categories there. And it's essentially people that are in the market for this particular thing right now, whether that be a microwave or a fridge or um, SEO or SEM services. or um, you know, There's a stack of different things. They're business services, payroll services. Google is looking at everything that we do, particularly if you're an Android user or you use Chrome, then Google know even more about you. But obviously, that's where we go to search, right? So they know what we're looking for. They know what those itches are that we want to scratch. Mm-hmm. They look at how we behave on websites. I have no information to back this up, but analytics is on about 55% of the entire web. So Google wow. gets to know a lot of stuff. And if you use Gmail, yes, they are reading your Gmails to understand you better. Now, the reason that they do that is not some tinfoil hat theory thing. They look at advertising as a good ad. It should be information. It shouldn't be an annoyance. It should actually help someone. And yeah, the analogy I always use with that every time is if I never saw a, an ad for an HP laptop ever again in my life, I'd be a happy man. You know, I am, I am Apple fanboy, yep. second only to Ed Dale. Yep. Um, <laughs> big Apple fanboy, everything's Apple here. So showing me an ad for the latest Apple product based on my past history and behavior makes sense for me. Someone that would only buy a $300 Chromebook, they don't want to see the ad for the $2,000 Apple thing, what's it? Yeah. You know, and the $165 pencil that they just made me buy, you know. Um, Ridiculous. I just bought that too, yeah. Yeah. So it's about showing the right ad to the right person and... The targeting for both platforms, don't get me wrong, I've got nothing against Facebook, it's a wonderful tool, but targeting for both is incredibly powerful and they both buy third-party data from mm. you know all of the data mining guys that look at credit card receipts and all of that stuff. They both know an enormous amount of both of us. As a marketer, now some people get very freaked out by that, mm. privacy's gone, privacy's dead, <laughs> exactly. privacy doesn't exist anymore. So. <laughs> We might as well just accept that, Other, totally. unless you're going to go live in a cave in the middle of New Zealand somewhere and That's just it. completely off the grid. It's just a way of life. How do, we, how do we reframe that so it's exciting and so that it's actually of benefit to us? Mm. So that's yeah, what we try and do for our clients, obviously, is to not annoy people with their ads, but to show the right ad to the right person to make it more and more profitable so yeah. that they can buy a customer, which is essentially what we're all trying to do, mm. for not actually not for less money, but to be able to optimize the business to be able to spend more to mm. buy a customer. That's a Dan Kennedy line. Right. The, the, the winner is not the person that can buy the leads cheaper and cheaper. Mm. The winner is the business that can afford to spend the most to buy that customer. Because if I can afford to spend 10 bucks and you can only afford to spend $4 mm. to acquire that, that opt-in or that lead... Mm. I can show my traffic in so many more places than you get to do. That's an interesting perspective, right? And that so, comes back to how profitable your business is, right? The more profit you mm. make per customer, the more you can afford to pay for a customer. Just coming back yes. to your earlier point about Google not wanting to, you know, just 
put ads in people's faces where they're not relevant. Mm. I, I really love how Eric Enger, I don't know if it was Eric Enger or Rand Fishkin, but they both wrote this book called The Art of SEO. And I've had them both as guests on the show. And Eric, I think it was Eric who said, you know, people go to Google to solve a problem. Mm-hmm. And Google wants to make that experience as easy as possible. It's as simple as that. So if they are going to be presenting ads that are not relevant, it's going to detract from Google's objective or their mission. And Mm -hmm. it absolutely is in their best interest to make that whole experience, the discovery or the search, either or, you know, to be as fluent and as uh, frictionless as possible. Easy and relevant, right? There's only two rules. There you go. That's it. Easy and relevant. Yep. I love how you put that. Make it easy, make it relevant. But yeah, but but if if ads were annoying, Google wouldn't be making $15 billion a quarter. (laughs) Yeah, some of the things they do, like, yeah, don't get me wrong, they pay my mortgage. I love them. (laughs) But some of the things they do, you, you do look at it and you go, was that just a money grab or was this really about? serving the world's information better you know like they've just basically taken the top organic result and gone yeah no we'll make that a paid ad now and we'll push all the organic stuff further down the page we just got accepted into a new beta that they've rolled out where the the ads are actually going to get 50 percent bigger 50 percent more characters in those ads now we're going to get a huge advantage there Hmm. as an early adopter of that because i now get to write headline one and headline two and 80 characters of description this is back to search not display for my clients, exactly, <laughs> being an early mover there where they're just going to have this bigger, more eye-catching ad, particularly on mobile, hint, hint, that's going to be huge. Yep. So they are testing this all the time and yes, they don't like the SEO guys and they, you know, it's harder and harder and harder to be an SEO guy. God, I'm glad I picked this path 12 years ago and didn't decide to be an SEO guy. Um, g'day Rand, if you're watching. <laughs> Love the stuff you do um, at Moz. But. Well, he, he's a big believer that he, he says SEO is evolving more and more into content, really. Mm. You know, content is the new Absolutely. SEO. Absolutely. It's content, it's authority. You know, our mutual friend Dave Jennings talks about authority. Yeah, we had a great episode about that, by the way. Dave and I talked about content and SEO and how they're related and some brilliant insights that came out of it. Just had lunch with him today. Oh, cool. <laughs> I see you guys are together on Facebook all the time. So, yeah, he's, he's an excellent thought leader, actually, in the SEO space. Okay, so tell me a bit more about this then. So the, the mobile ads are going to get bigger? Mm-hmm. Search ads. And let, let me bring it back to, to display as well, because one of the things that they, so they just had the big summit where they sort of announced, here's, here's the stuff that's coming. They kind of tease us with it. And every year they, they talk about the stuff that this is the third year they've done it. And you look at some of the stuff that they told us two years ago, it still hasn't happened. It kind of quietly got a little bit shelved, that one. Mm. A lot of this stuff was, it's coming in six to 12 months. So it's like, don't get too excited yet. It'll be rolling out in the near future, whatever near future means to a company that thinks 30 years in the future. Yeah. Let's not go there. What was I going to display? One of the things they did with display ads was essentially they've said, um, coming soon, mm. you'll just need to give us a headline, an image, and a URL, basically, and they will build the ad on the fly to best match the context of where that ad's being shown, be that in an app, on a mobile, on a tablet, on the side of a blog post, on a desktop, rather than have to create ads and load them all up, which is what we do now. Right. And they, and they made a little change a while ago to, to make that a little easier where we only had to create three different sizes, but you still had to go and get a graphic designer to come up with the idea. And da, 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 da. So they're making that, almost, I suppose that's almost a little bit more like native ads, more like Facebook, just give us the image, give us some text, and we'll turn that into an ad for you. 
So, so they're making it a lot more frictionless. Like eBay changed trying. their they model. Trying. Like now if you want to sell an iPhone on eBay, you just go in there, you type an iPhone and populates everything for you. So they're kind of trying to Do make that. the whole experience right. of selling a lot easier. It's, it, make it easy, make it relevant, right? Google have, have always tried to do this. Now they've had a few wrong steps there. They had this thing called, well, they still have AdWords Express, mm. which was like the super dumbed down version of AdWords. It was horrible, horrible when it first came out. Why? Why didn't that work? So basically they're trying to make it easy for the end user by saying, look, this, this pesky little thing like you know, choosing keywords or writing ad copy or managing bids, let, don't worry about it, let us do it for you. Mm-hmm. But as a marketer, they took away all of the control. You couldn't split test, you couldn't, right. couldn't measure conversions, you couldn't you know, track what was going on. And they were in charge of bidding now. For a lot of businesses, that worked really well. But for some, they ended up spending way more than they should have for clicks. So they're bringing that same focus and that same technology to the GDN, where they will continually try and make it easier. They've been doing this for the last at least two years with this behavioral targeting I talked about in market before. That's one of the behavioral targeting methods. Mm. So rather than having to essentially give Google a list of keywords to say, go find content that's about this thing Mm. and put me at turmeric and go put my ad next to that content, instead of just doing that, which is what we used to back when it was called the Google Content Network years ago, um, for all the old timers listening, <laughs> now behavioral targeting I see is becoming a much, much bigger part of the future mm. for GDN. I'm very personally very excited about it because targeting people based on their interests. So instead of saying, go to this page or go to pages like this mm. and put my ad there and wait for my target market to visit, you could now target people because they are health conscious or because they're an outdoor enthusiast or they're a savvy parent or an avid investor and say to Google, go find the avid investors and put my ad on the page that they're on. Mm. Now you can choose to refine and confine that a little bit, but essentially now you're showing ads to people based Mm. on what they've done. And particularly the the in-market one, that for me is hugely powerful because it's looking at about a one to two week window. Right. What is this person interested in buying right now? Mm. Google know how you tend to behave. Are you someone that tends to click on ads or not? Mm. And when you do go to websites, are you someone that tends to convert or not? Do you like watching videos or not? Mm. Well, related to the behavioral ads, what I want to know is when are they going to get on the geotagging and location-based advertising? If I'm walking past a particular kind of a store, am I going to get mm. hit with Google ads that are relevant to me about specials that are going in that store that they know I want to buy? Absolutely. That is probably not very far away. You know, we remarketing is one of the most commonly talked about behavioral aspects. I've been, I don't know, blagging on about it for about six years or so now since Google <laughs> launched it about six and a bit years ago. Remarketing, marketing again too. So somebody comes mm. to your website and then you follow them around mm-hmm. with ads to gently remind them that they maybe didn't finish what they were doing. I've been mm. looking at flights to New Zealand recently and there I am a couple mm. of days later and up pops an ad for mm. a flight to New Zealand. Mm. That's right. I hadn't bought that yet. Reminder to go back to that website and purchase. Remarketing surely as everything goes digital will come to our digital TVs, our digital radios because mm. they will know exactly what we've listened to. Mm. But they will also know 
presumably, uh, presumably they already know, if I'm walking past a particular store. That, yes, yeah, to your point on, on yeah, geolocation. And, and yeah, that's selling a pair phone. of jeans and I was looking for jeans yesterday and now I'm walking past this store that's selling these jeans and up comes an ad on my phone or wherever, I don't know, on my watch or something, it pops up and says, hey, guess what? There's jeans going at half price in the store to your right. Do you want to go and buy them? That will absolutely come. I mean, Google are already doing, allowing some, it's about a thousand, I believe, retailers around the globe now as part of this program, but in-store purchases. So saying that this ad that someone viewed on their mobile led them to actually go into your store and they're looking at that that geo data of where that phone goes and the Wi-Fi networks it's connected to and the cell towers and I don't know how they do it. Yeah. But they're doing it. Yeah. That's coming. Yeah. There, there will come a day where it's you know like Blade Runner, you'll walk past and the digital billboard <laughs> yeah. will change. Well right, exactly. It'll say, Hi Ash, boom, 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 boom. And Exactly. I, I think it's a matter of time. First, but it's just a matter of time. It's absolutely. a matter of time, yeah. And, you know, these guys that, you know, to me, there are two major, what they used to be called power brokers, but now I think of them as information brokers, you know, and that's Google and Apple because Apple is, knows a lot about us as well. And uh, just uh, you mentioned Ed Dale earlier on. The first thing he noticed when I met him at the Superfast Business Live was he said, oh, that's an Apple watch. You know, <laughs> So he's a, there's a lot of these Apple fans and these people mm. take that these devices, these watches or these phones with them wherever they go. And Apple knows a lot about us. So And Amazon is the other one that should oh, be in this conversation, right? The, yes, good point. The, there is a wonderful VFE search for it. I can't remember the guy's name. I think it's from 2014 now, so it may be a bit dated, but the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse, I think it was called. <laughs> right. And uh, it was basically Amazon, Apple, Facebook, Google. I mean, you know. Right. But does Amazon follow us around, though? Do they know what we're doing? Well, they know a lot about, particularly if you're a prime Customer, they know everything oh, yes, you buy. Right? Of course. I mean, they do groceries now. They do. Right, right, right. One of the best stats on Amazon just before Christmas last year. So we're recording this in May of 2016. Yeah. So just before Christmas 2015. Yeah. You, you would know Amazon Prime, right? We don't yes. have it here in Australia, but I, I believe it's $99 for a year, which basically gets you free shipping within a couple of days yeah. and probably some other goodies. They sold $3 million of those in the week leading up to Christmas last year. Wow. And that's 300 million in rev, but you're also locking in 3 million additional new customers for the next year saying, yep, I'm going to come back and buy from you often. Yeah. We're going to come back and buy from you often enough that it's worth me paying you. That was a genius, genius move on Jeff Bezos' part to say, no, we're not going to do a whole stack of TV and above the line. We're going to invest all that money into serving our customers and that was one of the ways that they, they did it. 300 million in a week, not bad work. Not enough not to live bad on, at but all. it's a good start. <laughs> well, but he does tread a fine line, Bezos, because he does, he throws away a lot of cash to get market share. And I get that he's trying mm. to get massive amounts of market share, but the lack of profitability Amazon has is a little bit concerning. They've, I think they've been profitable for about seven or eight quarters in a row now. It's mm. not, I don't think it's you know, huge, huge, but it, I mean they are a, yeah. they are one of the world's most valuable companies for sure. They're heading in the right direction. If I had my phone nearby, I could tell you exactly what they're worth, but I won't. They are heading in the right direction. They're doing some pretty good shit. And and one of the articles I read uh, last week was around sort of what the VCs are now saying. This is completely off topic, but uh, hopefully, <laughs> dear listener, you're interested in this stuff about how yeah, you know, if if you're going into pitch, if you've got any kind of e-commerce business now, the question that all of the VCs want to ask you when you're pitching is, how are Amazon not going to crush you? Right. right. Which makes complete sense. I was looking at a business to buy a few months ago from uh, 
give a shout out to Jock Pertel, one of the best digital business brokers out there. And he put something across my desk. It's about half a million dollars to buy. I, I better not mention the, the name of the business. They might yep. still be up for sale. I don't know. Yep. It was about half a million to um, buy this thing. Some good branding, some good numbers, went through the AdWords account, went through analytics, looked reasonable. But that was my first question as well, is how Amazon sell this exact same thing. Yes, you've got a great brand, a really, really good domain name. And that was probably really important five years ago. But in five years' time, do I think this business is still going to be around? Yeah. Do I, do I think I can grow it to a one, two million dollar business? Not that one. No. no. Going to yeah. have to pass on this one, please. Great point. And um, Amazon is doing some really interesting things. I don't know if this was at the event where we, I last met you, Greg Kassar's event. It might have been mm. the one the year prior, but he showed us this video of the Amazon, those uh, drones that come and deliver stuff mm-hmm. to your house. And Genius PR move that, by the way. <laughs> years, years away from actually you know, having that ready. Oh, okay. So they, they haven't got it ready? Yeah, well, but when, when they brought it out, no, they, well, when they, when they showed the video, I think the video was 2014, and they were saying, mm-hmm. yeah, this is what we plan to do. They don't know when. You know, FAA regulations, CASA, all of that oh, stuff, they've yes. got to get around. Using drones commercially is... A minefield at the moment. It's going to happen, mm. but nobody knows when. But they yeah. they they launch that, and everybody think, as soon as they think drone, they go, "Oh, that Amazon thing, genius, genius PR move." Love drones. Okay, let's uh, let's come back to the topic. <laughs> so, <laughs> welcome back. So, so <laughs> welcome back. That's right. Welcome back, listeners. So, the the Google Display Network. So, what are the biggest challenges you've seen people face when they come to implementing the Google Display Network, or uh, you know, embracing it? All right. So, the one is setup. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just ran a, a, a course with Perry Marshall teaching how people can use the display network. It was maybe 10 hours of content. And that inherent complexity, all the different ways we've talked about targeting, we've only touched on a couple, and there are at least 10 different ways that I could rattle off of how you can target. And then I can start to mix and match those ways, and I can come up with an, a near-infinite raft of ways that we can target, which is great for us because I'm a control freak and I like to get great results with clients. But for a small business just starting out, that is overly confusing. Whereas Facebook makes things much, much easier. There's less control there mm. unless you're a real power user, someone like Jen, and you really know how to make the thing sing and dance. But it's much, much easier to set up something like Facebook than a GDM campaign. That's right. the first one. The second one is fraud. We have to, we can't let the elephant in the room go by. We have to talk mm. about this. Facebook, obviously, your ads are only showing on this one place that they control. Mm-hmm. With GDN, your ads are showing on these 2 million plus sites. There's a few people in the world that want to take advantage of that. So they go and build these little sites purely designed to show ads on there to get clicks so that they can make a little bit of money. Right, 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 and right. these days, those clicks aren't coming from humans. They're coming from computers that look look like humans to oh, the Google To machine. bump it up in the Google exactly. Display Network. Right, right. Well, to get clicks, because that's how they get paid, right? They get, they're getting a share of the revenue from the clicks. Oh, right, yes. So they invent a computer program to visit their own websites, to behave like a human behaves, and then to every now and again click on one of these things and make them some money. Yeah, a lot of, I'm seeing at the moment, a big trend towards sort of MBA sites. So mm-hmm. I'll see in, in my client results. One of these, like some weird, crazy domain dot info dot site dot online. I'm seeing a few of at the moment. Dot xyz, cheap domains with a sort of how to choose the best MBA for you dot something. I don't even know if that exists, so I better not put it. An email. I'll get sued by someone that owns that. <laughs> um, and ads are showing there, getting a couple of clicks and costing a client money. Right. Now it's not it's not much, 
but on mass, if it left unchecked, that could waste a chunk of your budget. Now, mm. we've got lots of funky tools and automation and scripts and all these tools that we've built to catch that very, very early on. Like as soon as one of those things appears in a report, even before the first click often, we will grab it, stick it in the bad list and never show an ad on that ever again. That's good. Which is great for us and great for our clients, but not great for the average person just starting out GDN that right. wouldn't have to do what an AdWords script is or how to do that. So that is definitely an issue. However, the flip side of that for us is opportunity. Having taught a few hundred agencies how to use the display network properly, because I find that most agencies, even if they do search or maybe they do SEO or Facebook ads, they don't really understand how GDN works. I see that's massive opportunity. It is if you get it right, it is just this massive goldmine. We've just taken a client on. He is spending a quarter of a million a month on the display network, only text ads. So he's just showing little text ads, but across these two million sites, no banner ads yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No remarketing yet. And has been doing this for about six years profitably. Now, wow. he knows it can be more profitable, which is why he's come to us to run it. And he's got a second business he wants to launch once this one's improved and fixed and is a $10 million business. But that's the kind of scale that you can get with GDN. Now, not every business wants that kind of scale. A lot of businesses would break if they had that many leads. Yeah, And that certainly can't be done in every industry. He's on this little tiny niche, which I won't say what it is because I don't want him to get more competition than he has. Mm-hmm. But he's just hit on this little area and it's globally appealing so we can run ads all around the globe and yeah he's doing that profitably and the team are doing an epic job on that account and already improving things and yeah 10 percent better on that is an extra 300 grand a year for him so wow so that's an important question for our listeners if you are going to hire an agency to do your gdn your google display network ads make sure they understand how to solve this these people who are gaming the network so you don't end up paying for dud clicks. Yeah. So this is one of those things that you don't know that you don't know. So mm-hmm. a, a good question to ask your agency is, do you know about the problem where people are gaming the Google Display Network and how are you solving that problem? Yep, that's a good point. There's a good action item. And um, if you don't know any such agency, then just look up websavvy.com.au and look up my mate Mike Rhodes. <laughs> I'd love to chat with you. <laughs> so, Mike, what is Google doing about this? How is Google addressing this issue? Oh, look, they have amazing technology. To um, They refund the cost of a lot of those clicks before you even know that you've been charged. You know? Wow, great. Fraud is an issue, but it's not a huge, huge issue. There's a bit of that, but Google, if we're looking at that across 100 accounts and we've built our own bad list of consistently seeing this site pop up and we then take that bad list and we can roll that bad list out across all of our other clients because, yep, we know this one's this one's crap. Let's not show any ads there ever again. I would put my mortgage on the fact that Google knows who a lot of those sites are and what. Right. They've got form for this in the past, right? They don't shut stuff down straight away because they know it's just a massive game of whack-a-mole. If they show, they show their hand, then someone's going to find a way around that. Now, I don't subscribe to any of the black hat forums. I don't hang out there. I don't try and learn from them. I just try and look at it through, through Google's eyes, and we play a very, very white hat game always. But what they have done in the past is they've definitely shown form here where they'll watch and they'll watch and they'll watch, and then bang, the hammer right. comes down one day, and this whole landscape has changed, and the rule over here has completely changed. And you know, that might mean 
30,000 people get their AdWords account banned oh. on the same day, like happened five years ago. Because, yeah, I've got to be careful what I say here, but my humble opinion is that Google is kind of run by the lawyers and mm. the lawyers will make a lot of those rules and it's risk-reward. Mm. Is it worth the risk mm. of showing out on these fraud sites and potentially having advertisers maybe even try and sue us to get that money back versus the revenue we get from showing out on those? Yeah, no, boom, mm. kill. Any, this whole thing over here, let's just kill it. We're just not going to do that. Sure thing anymore. Because it becomes like a minefield, right? And this is where I think Google is quite smart about things. Because what they're doing is they're saying, if we show our hand, as you said earlier, then we alert people. So it's sort of like when the cops are trying to catch the bad guys, you know, you don't try and catch the guy, you don't try and shoot the messenger, you make sure you find out where the source of the problem is and right. you get the, you know, you cut off the, the head Great of, the, analogy. Great analogy. Head of yeah. the dragon or whatever the phrase is. <laughs> so yeah, rest assured they are definitely paying attention to a lot of that and they are no doubt making changes probably hourly, at least daily or weekly. You know, machine learning, they are investing a huge amount in machine learning the machine will be knowing that this is happening and will be improving the system, guaranteed. Mm. We just don't get to see a lot of that, obviously, because they, they don't publicize a lot of that. They don't want sure. the baddies, as you say, to uh, to understand what they're doing and how they're doing it. Sure. So, okay, so that was one challenge. We talked about the fraud issue, which we can overcome by getting hold of a good agency. We've talked about understanding the Google network, uh, display network, and not overcomplicating things, especially if you're a small business. Any other big challenges you've seen typical customers or clients of yours face and how they've overcome them? For clients and so on, no, not really, but, but certainly people that we've, um, that we've taught that have gone off to do it by themselves. It's just a, a really how do I start? You know, we talked about testing. You know, we will typically test a dozen different ads and that's, you know, day one out of the gate. Now, a lot of people on the start, they haven't got the resources to, oh. to get a graphic designer to come up with a dozen different ideas, never mind just a dozen, you know, it's not, this isn't like a dozen different sizes of the same ad. These are a dozen different ideas because the bigger the test, the bigger the result, you know, test screams, not whispers, as the direct marketers will say. So that's probably a challenge. It's just knowing where and how to start. And I guess, yeah, I guess that's probably a big challenge for a lot of people is, is getting caught in your own assumptions. It's mm. assuming that you know that bit. Oh, we don't need to test that bit. We know that. And that's usually the offer. So it's got nothing to do with the targeting, but they will have decided that they're going to push all this traffic to an ebook mm. or to a recorded webinar mm. or to insert mm. a thing here. And that's the only offer that they'll ever do. Right. And they'll push all this traffic there, be it Facebook or GDN or whatever, and then go, oh, it doesn't work. I've wasted mm. two grand. It doesn't work. Not doing mm. that anymore. Going back to SEO or going and doing something else. But it was the, the offer that was wrong all the time. Yeah. And so the, the huge benefit to do it the right way is to use this traffic because you can turn it on and off. You know, mm. if, you, if you're going to do an SEO, you might have to wait six or 12 months before you get that traffic. You've got to create all of this content, you know, Nothing is free. You've got to get traffic there so that you can test, so you can see what the result is. Again, it's measurement-driven marketing. We're in a data-driven world. You've got to use that data. I've been saying this for years, and often nobody listens, but that's just normal, <laughs> um, that data can be your competitive advantage hmm. if you use that data right, because most of your competitors haven't got a clue where that data is buried in the business or how to surface it or how to summarize it, how to use it how to visualize it, how to mm. turn all that data into a story that a board member can get. That's the opportunity, I think. Right. 
Okay, so one of the things that is coming through for me, though, is most often I've seen business owners, and I've done this myself, try to figure it all out yourself. And sure, you know, mm, we all yep. have challenges, especially when you're starting. It's difficult to hire an expert. But my advice to the listeners is as soon as it is possible for you to do this, hire someone that does this for a living because they're going to have much more benchmarking. They're going to yeah, be- we get the benefit of looking across those 100 accounts plus right. the other couple of hundred we audit every year right. and, and seeing patterns there and seeing what works and coming at it from a few different angles. Um, mm. One of my mentors used to say, most people swap time for money. Successful people swap money for time. Exactly. Yeah, brilliantly like, put. That's what you're doing. You're buying time. And, and the other really important thing I want to impress on the listeners is you don't know what you don't know, but an expert does know what you don't know. So if mm. you try and solve the problem, you might even be solving the wrong problem. As you explained in your example earlier, your offer might be completely wrong. So you might be making the wrong offer and you don't even know that you're doing the wrong thing until yeah. someone comes and looks at it from the outside. So if you can afford to get an expert to do your Google ads for you and get an expert to give you advice on these things. Yeah, exactly. In half an hour strategy call. I just did one you know, for me as the punter, spent an hour and a half this morning paying a guy a fair chunk of money for a strategy session just on a, on a piece of my business because yeah, you're too close to it. You can't see the forage for the trees and you need that outside perspective to, to shine a light on what's important and to say, look, you idiot, it's sitting here in front of you. <laughs> Walk this way. Yes. Oh, thanks, Jamie. Got it. Yeah, yeah. You're a genius. <laughs> right. Okay. And that actually segues really well into the action section. So, the actions that I recommend our listeners take is get an expert. Don't overcomplicate things. If you're a small business, you don't try to solve the wrong problem. Best way to do that is go to an expert. Try and recognize that advertising is largely about testing and working with data and understand that it's not your opinion that counts. It's hard data and facts based mm. on which you need to make decisions, which again goes back to hiring an agency to do this sort of stuff if you can afford it. Any other action items you recommend? Uh, look, a, a really simple, easy place to get started. If you already have an AdWords account, if you go to the tools section, which you'll find across the top of the screen, and underneath the tools, you'll find a thing called Display Planner Tool. Mm -hmm. So this is a, a way that you can sort of get a little bit of a taste of, okay, if I'm all about turmeric, let's stick with that example. You stick turmeric in the box at the top, and it will show you some of the type of websites where it would show your ad if you had an ad. The okay. YouTube videos, it would show your ad on. The mobile apps where it would show your ad. And you can start to explore and you can understand a bit about the demographics you can look at all of the different ways of targeting. They're all listed there across the page, keywords and placements and topics and so on. And you can see, oh, okay, wow, you have a, a topic called, I don't know what it might be, some you know, yoga and Pilates. Oh, well, that's, yeah, okay, I can see that someone that's interested in that might be interested in this, and I could so I could show ads to these people, and I can see the, those in-market audiences that we talked about before. Everything's there in the one place. Really, really useful tool. So just spend, you know, half an hour, an hour, just playing with that. You don't even have to come up with that initial word. You can plug your website URL into right. the box at the top and say, Google, tell me what you think my website's all about and based on that, where you would advertise my products. If you haven't got to that point yet, either you haven't built a website or you're embarrassed by your website and you know it needs a ton more content, you can take your hint, hint, competitor URL <laughs> and plug that 
in the box at the top, right. a site that you know is really, really well crafted and has a ton of good content and say, Google, tell me what you think this website's all about. And based on that, where would you show ads for them? Because that's probably where you should be showing your ads. That's a and great, that's a great tip. It's a great starting point just to, to understand the lay of the land and all of the different places where your ads could show. That's a great little tip, Mike. So tools and display planner. And it sounds like it works very similar to the keyword planner principle. Very similar. Right? Very, very similar. It was such a good tip. We buried it an hour deep into this podcast just to make sure that you're really paying attention. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Okay, so last time we spoke, we talked about the books that have had the biggest impact. And you talked about E-Myth mm. and you talked about Good to Great. Any other books you want to recommend? Always loads. God, the hardest part is boiling that down. I've got a pile of about 50 next to the bed at the moment. Book of the year for me last year, good mate of mine, Ryan Levesque. Oh, yes. Spelt, spelt Levesque. Ask. Yep. Fantastic book, but more importantly, I think it's going to have a huge impact on the way marketing is done. I think you're going to see a lot more of these survey sites and quiz sites. So I would, you know, if you haven't read that, get on that early, read that as soon as you yep. can, because that he's he's got a he's creating a movement there. Yes, a lot of that is is based on Dr. Glenn Livingston's work, who works very closely with Perry, but Ryan has put his own spin on that and taken it off in a new direction. Absolutely brilliant. He's a smart guy. He was actually earlier on in the show, he was on this show, and he went through all the six key steps of, ah, he explained brilliant. it all in the podcast episode, so you can listen to that too. The episode number? I actually don't remember it. Brilliant. Um, <laughs> that'll be in the show notes. Folks. Yep. Big, big, um, probably the grandfathers of the CRO conversion rate optimization industry, Brian and Jeffrey Eisenberg, their mm -hmm. latest book, Buyer Legends. It's kind of the the new advanced way to think about personas and oh, yes. you know, your, your avatar in your market, buyer legends, absolutely brilliant. If you had asked me six months ago, what's the most important thing in business? I would have said mindset. Yeah, which you closely did. Followed, closely followed by systems. Now at the very, very top of my list alongside mindset and systems would be hiring. And the oh, yes. absolute best book on hiring for me is who? by uh, the wonderfully named Dr. Smart. Who is that one? I think that one's Jeff Smart. His dad wrote, his dad was Brad Smart, wrote Top Grading, which is a tomb of a book, which I have sitting over there, but I haven't read, yes. who is a much, much more accessible read. And to get a really good overview of who, you know these guys well, they were at Greg's event. Why am I going blank on his name? Toby and Adam, Blue Wire Media. If you oh, search yes. for Blue Wire Media Who Scorecard, hit the Googles and type that in, you'll yep. find a really, really good sort of overview of the whole Who methodology on um, that Toby wrote a while back. That's great. And anything by Dan Sullivan. Anything For me, the best cool. thinker about thinking on the planet, creator of the strategiccoach.com, but any of his books, as soon as you can find them, buy them. Mate, I always get a treasure trove of book recommendations from you. So you've given us huge amounts of value. So now how does someone who's dying to speak to you get to speak to Mike Rhodes? What, does, what do we have to do? How do we get in touch with you? I've got three sort of different parts of the business currently, and I'm working on a really, really exciting fourth, which I'll mention very briefly. Yep. If you want to learn more about AdWords, if you want the content, if you want me to teach you how to do it, and I've got maybe 60 plus hours of content now from search and display and remarketing and this in-market stuff and how to test and how to measure with analytics, all of that stuff is all in PPC Savvy, yep. PPCSAVVY.com. Mm -hmm. If you've got an agency, if you're trying to build an agency to six or to seven figures, then my training program, agencysavvy.com, 
is the one for you. That's I tipped my absolute heart and soul into that program. We've got version two of that rolling out in the coming months, but first versions, even though if I do say so myself, it's got some pretty good content in there, and I don't often say that about my own stuff. Yeah, I absolutely love that. And we had 10 agencies go through the pilot program, and minimum agency grew an, an extra 25,000 in the first year. That The guys that have really taken it and run with it grew their agencies by over 100 grand a year. Wow. Uh, it's a $1,000 program. And then if you want us to run your account for you, as long as you're spending at least an absolute bare minimum five grand a month, and that's your Google spend, really we sort of tend to start at 10 grand a month and up, then websavvy.com.au, have a chat with Mel and the team. If you send an email to info at websavvy.com.au, that's the best way to, to get in touch with us. And uh, we'll ask you a few questions and see if we're a good fit. Simple as that. Awesome. That's great. I'll add all that stuff into the show notes. So if you're listening, definitely check it out. And the URL for this episode will be productiveinsights.com forward slash Mike Rhodes 2. <laughs> so, uh, so that's because we've had Mike the back. C- Actually, it's Mike hyphen Rhodes hyphen 2. You've got to work on your URLs. Don't you? make this. Yeah. yeah, I've got to work <laughs> on my URLs. So thanks so much for being on the show, Mike. It was awesome to have you. And let's talk again soon, man. Absolute pleasure to be here. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to the Productive Insights Podcast. You can find all the links in the show notes below this episode on ProductiveInsights.com. You can also ask questions in the comment section that Ash personally answers. How can Ash help you today? 